This is episode 153, and we're going to talk about the micromanaging dilemma, balancing control and trust. Yes, we're actually not just going to talk about the issues with micromanaging, but we're also, and more importantly, going to talk about when micromanaging is actually an effective tool for a leader to use. But when the situation calls for it, there is a specific way to do it so that it is seen as an effective tool and it is not being perceived by your employees as you micromanaging, which is the thing we want to avoid. So we're going to dive in here in a moment on when to use the strategy of micromanaging and if we do it, how to do it well. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this episode. I am excited that you're here and that you're tuning in. Now, this is a very important episode and it's a little bit controversial. So this may be something that you haven't heard before that hopefully is some food for thought. And if you do find this helpful, please share it along and send it to other coworkers or friends that are in management roles as well. Because I think this is something that more of us should embrace, more of us should think about as it relates to tactics and strategies of being an effective manager slash leader. We're going to talk about the balance between control and trust, or in other words, the micromanaging dilemma. And I want to call out here for a second what micromanaging really means. So if we break this down and we make this really, really simple, micromanaging means to control every part, however small that part is. This is the micro aspect of micromanaging. And it obviously has a negative connotation. The fact that you're listening to this podcast tells me you probably don't want to be a micromanager. And this is something that you're keenly aware of and you want to watch yourself to make sure that you're not falling into those micromanaging traps. As new managers or first-time managers, so or even actually mid-level managers who are under a lot of pressure to demonstrate that they can be successful leaders and that they're ready for increased responsibilities, and that they're seen as and can prove themselves as leaders in the organization, being a micromanager unintentionally actually happens more often than not. Yes, the people that are perceived and described by others as micromanagers are usually not the ones that call themselves micromanagers. And that is why this is a common blind spot. It's also why this is a tricky one to uncover and to course correct. Because at the end of the day, the reason why managers micromanage is often, not always, but is often stemming from this drive for perfectionism or generally the need for control, like needing to control things and other people in the work environment and usually also in a personal environment or private lives. It could also be the fear of failure. So when someone is really eager not to fail because they think if they fail or if someone on their team fails or a project that they're overseeing fails, then they would look really bad 
or they would have to take the criticism, which is true. And as a result, their own sense of worth and their own confidence would drop significantly. And this is where this is a big issue, but we're not going to dive into that self-worth aspect in this episode here. But if you notice you feel really good about yourself and you get positive praise and you feel really bad about yourself and something isn't going well, you notice how your inner sense of self-worth fluctuates based on what's happening in the outside world, what's happening, uh, what people tell you about your performance at work, for example, then that's a warning sign. That's something to look into because where we want to get to in order to be really effective leaders, in order to navigate challenges and headwinds really well and be resilient through the process is to separate our self-worth, our personal identity and how we feel about ourselves from what is happening in the outside world, especially sort of the success and validation or lack thereof we get from the workplace. So that's just something to be on the lookout for. And the overlap of the two, so when the outside world and how we're doing and performing at work really impacts how we're feeling about ourselves, if those two things overlap, there's a higher likelihood that we fall into micromanaging or micromanaging tendencies or behaviors at work. The way that this may show up is that your employees feel that they can do a task and have proven to be able to do a task, project, or some kind of work but you're still hanging on to it. You're still there, you're still checking on them, you're still asking them to run things by you. Although they have in the past actually proven and they feel they have the evidence that they can manage this on their own. Another aspect that shows up is that your employees feel that they're constantly being mistrusted right, that you in fact aren't believing that they can be successful. And what we know about the best managers is that their employees say about those great managers that they believed in them, them as the employees, more than the employees believed in themselves. So when we think that some other person sees more of our capacity and our capabilities and our talents than we may see at times ourselves. And there's someone else who's like trying to let us fly and helping us fly. That is one thing that makes great leaders. And when it, the opposite is the case, where we feel someone is constantly holding us down or mistrusting us and wants to control us and wants to control the process, we can never really spring our wings and show the world that we can fly that starts to feel like micromanaging. And this is the sneaky part because oftentimes the micromanagers in that case, they don't feel that way at all. They don't want to send that signal. That's not their intention, but that's the impact that their actions have on other people. And then another way that micromanaging shows up is naturally if this is a default style, it may be related to one specific person, but no matter what process, task or project that they're working on, the manager's default style is simply to be way over-involved and controlling no matter what. So again, it can either be that someone feels like I've actually proven myself, I'm ready to take this, but the manager is not letting go. It can be that the underlying sense that someone's constantly mistrusting the employee or you as a manager constantly mistrusting the employees. Or then it can just be that your default style is to be over-controlling and you're unable to let go by default. Again, often this comes from this need for perfectionism and need for control or overall a fear of failure. There are other reasons for this, but look from based on my experience, these are the ones that I see most often uh, come up in conversations. 
As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at ramonashaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to ramonashaw.com slash one one to get started right now. Now, here's the thing. Because most people want to avoid being a micromanager or being perceived as such, which often comes up in questionnaires that we run with clients of what are sort of the biggest worries or concerns and and people say, I don't want to be ever be considered a micromanager. That's a good thing. However, here's where this can get tricky. If you want to not be a micromanager, you may actually miss that someone on your team needs more handholding than others. Or there's a particular situation where an employee of yours needs more handholding that you are comfortable with or you are used to. We tend to want to lead our employees the way that we like to be led. And if you like to not be micromanaged, you might naturally default to not micromanage your employees and give them a lot of uh, space and time and freedom and autonomy to do their job. But that can backfire. I've seen this too many times where someone delegated work and said, I think you got this without actually knowing if they got it. But they think, hey, I got to trust ahead of time, right? I got to extend trust and will only mistrust if that trust is broken. That's generally a good leadership principle. When you have someone, though, that is working on a project where that project either is highly sensitive, meaning it's a high risk or high visibility project, that person is under a very tight deadline or that person who is assigned to it or your employee may, and you don't know for sure, may have a skill gap or a gap in past experience or knowledge slash context about this project. And you think, well, I'm going to let them try. You may actually not manage effectively here. This may call for a situation where you have to micromanage. Maybe not initially. Maybe you give them a shot. If you feel like, yeah, maybe they can figure it out and you extend the trust. So you let them try, which is a great first move. But the moment that you recognize that this isn't going as you expected, you'll have to intervene. And I want to specifically call out that if you don't anticipate that you might have to intervene, and you just say, yeah, check back in with me, let's say in two weeks, or it occurs to you two weeks later that they're supposed to be working on this project and you 
find yourself asking in a one-on-one, hey, by the way, it just occurred to me, we haven't talked about this project. How is that going? And you sort of get a blank stare back. You may have missed the opportunity already to manage effectively. So whenever you decide to delegate something where maybe this person has a skill gap or where the project that you're delegating is high risk or high visibility or they're under a very tight deadline and you're not building in upfront and proactively checkpoints along the way to ensure that they're working on the things that they're working on and the work quality is the way that you intend to so that you could intervene and apply a micromanaging tactic if things don't go well then you missed the mark. So let me roll this back and repeat this one more time. This is really important to understand. When you delegate work or you have an employee who works on something that's high risk or high sensitivity, there might be a skill gap or a knowledge gap or they're under a tight deadline. Yes, you may extend trust first, but only with having predefined checkpoints along the way so that if you notice this isn't going according to plan, you are still able to intervene without putting the project at risk and without causing this to fail. When, let's say, things go great and you have that first check-in, you can say, keep going, let's touch base again next week. Give me an update on Friday. Let me know how this conversation went. I'm expecting a response to you or I'm expecting to hear back from you by Monday. If things go well, set that next milestone and then reevaluate at that point. Are things still going well? Great. And you can, over time, start to lean more out and let go of more control because they demonstrate that they got it. But let's assume you say, hey, get that started and we'll check in tomorrow after work. And at the end of the day tomorrow, you realize they're going in the wrong direction or this is not where you expect it to be. You have to make a judgment call at that time to decide either, do I give this another chance? Or you recognize that a critical piece of information was missing and that will get them back on track. Great, try that. But if not, you might have to micromanage. And here's what that looks like. Here's how to do this well. You have to explain to the other person why you're gonna lean into it. You have to say something along the way of, hey, this seems like a situation where we need to work really closely together to make sure that this is leading to a successful outcome, for example. So over the next three weeks or the next two days, whatever that time frame is, I'm going to work very closely with you on this and I'd like us to check in at this interval or in these tasks to make sure we're fully aligned. Now, here's the reason why you explain why you are mentoring to this level, why you're involved to that degree. And you're making it time bound. You're saying this is for the next phase of the project or the next two weeks or the next 10 times this is going to happen. I want to be part of the conversation to make sure that you have the skill or the knowledge or the practice to then run and do this on your own. But you're defining a time horizon. Now, you may also have a qualifier, let's say, Once you reach 70% of participation rate or whatever that might be, at that point, you're free to go and run on your own. You have a quantifiable measure or a time that marks the end of your micromanaging practice. 
okay? So your employee knows exactly why you're doing what you're doing, that this is very deliberate and intentional tactic that you're implying, not because you generally don't trust them, not because you generally can't let go of control for no reason, but because there is a very specific reason that you can articulate, provide the context for it, and then you're explaining when this is starting, i.e. now, and when this will end. And that is effective management. Now, it may feel like micromanaging. And if you don't like being micromanaged, which I trust you, you aren't, then this may feel a little uncomfortable. And you worry what other people may think. And that is okay. As long as you've communicated it and they understand where you're coming from. This is the good thing. And I think too often we see micromanaging as such a negative thing that should be avoided at all costs that we slip into these situations and I see too many managers, including myself, get ourselves uh, involved in this, we realize too late that we weren't involved enough. And now not only will the project fail or the outcome not be where it should be and it has a ripple effect on other people or the rest of the company or may even be visible to other stakeholders, but also it actually reduces the confidence level of the person on your team because they realize this didn't land well. They realize they weren't successful. And so you're not fostering their confidence. Uh, You're actually diminishing it by letting them go on their own and not getting involved enough. So that's on you. Okay, I'm going to recap this very briefly. Micromanaging and taking on control is a situational management tactic that can be very effective if the context is given, the why is explained, the employee understands exactly why this is happening, and they know when this will end. This is time bound. Now, for you, the most important part is on one hand to recognize when I delegate what or which project requires me to have these touch points early on where I can check and verify if you're on the right track or not. So I could potentially intervene if needed and be proactive that way with my support or my mentoring and when not. And then if I recognize, hey, this is not working, do it effectively. So delegate with that in mind, predefine those checkpoints at the very beginning and then recognize when you have to intervene and when you do intervene, do it well, as we just talked about. So I hope this is helpful to think about micromanaging Yes, as overall a tendency or a default style as very ineffective, huge negative implications on on the overall morale of your employees. Again, it doesn't foster any kind of trust. It erodes confidence for people on your team and it probably is very time consuming for you too, which doesn't allow you to really rise to your fullest talents and your fullest potential. So there's no good reason why to micromanage as a default style. But don't forget that this can be a very important and very effective strategy or or tactic in the moment when called for. Again, and I said this at the beginning because I think it's such an important topic. If you have friends or coworkers, colleagues who may be dealing with something like this or would benefit from hearing this perspective, please share this podcast along. It would mean a lot to me and hopefully it would mean a lot to them too. And with that, we're going to call it a wrap. I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book. 
and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com slash masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.